Jones, Uncle Marv here with another episode of my unhealthy podcast, the show where we look at health from a little different perspective, and we talk about how to take the things that are unhealthy in life and make them healthy. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been here, but we are back. I had a couple of weeks where I had some major client projects, a lot of upgrades for those of you that do not know my day job is an IT professional, and a lot of my clients still have what we call on-prem servers. So we had a lot of servers that were going out of date and out of support, and in our world, we have to stay up to date. So several clients were updating servers, so that's been three of my last four weekends. One of those weekends was a visit to mom's house because it was her birthday. So I had to keep that weekend open. I've got two more weeks of network upgrades, and then we get into the holidays. But I do have a lot of shows planned for you. Uh, Today, we are actually going to feature part two of the show that I did with Iliquity. She is host of the Travel Gluten-Free Podcast. And I want to get this second show out that we had previously done because – Upcoming next week will be a third interview with her. We'll get an update on how things are going with her. We're going to talk about some simple little topics where why eating healthy food isn't always healthy for you. Uh, We may get to some other interesting topics, but that's going to be the premise of what that show will be about. But right now, I want to get to the second episode of the show that I had previously done with her. So sit back and relax and enjoy part two of my interview with Illiquity. And I am here with part two of my interview with my friend Illiquity. She has a podcast called Travel Gluten-Free. And last episode, we did a pretty big deep dive (laughs) <laughs> what it means to be gluten-free. Um, so, Iliquity, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Marv. I'm excited to be back again on your show. All right. Well, last episode, as I mentioned, we did a real deep dive in what it really means to to live gluten-free. We talked about the celiac disease and all of that. Um, that has just been an interesting journey that you've had. Yes, yes. It has been interesting and challenging. And uh, sometimes I would like to throw in the towel, but I clearly can't because this is something that is permanent. So (laughs) it's not like if I just went on like a specific diet and I was like, I don't want to do that diet anymore. It's too hard. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because part of what I go through is, you know, we, we make changes and do things and in, uh, you know, trying to lose weight and get in shape and we'll go to the, not me, cause I don't go to the gym, but you know, a lot of us, you know, we'll go to the gym for a couple of months and then we'll stop and we'll start a diet and then we'll stop. And in your case, you can't do that. So, um, I had asked you before, uh, on the last show about what does it really mean to have that mind shift, you know, that this is how you have to live. It's, it's not a choice. 
Yeah. I know some people, one of the things I realized is that people who are much older, when they find out like over 60, tend to cheat a lot on their diet. And that's a big no-no because there are several um, very serious, well, I mean, not that any type of cancer is not serious, but there are very, there are several very aggressive, really bad cancers that are very hard to survive that you can get if you have celiac disease and eat gluten. Um, one of which is adenocarcinoma, which is small intestinal cancer, which is the cancer my dad passed away from, but he was never diagnosed with celiac disease. He was actually diagnosed with IBS, which is IBS is the most commonly misdiagnosed thing you have when you have celiac disease and they misdiagnose you. So I am like 99.9% sure, even though he clearly passed away 15 years ago, we can't get him tested, but I'm pretty sure he was celiac because his mother also had an autoimmune disease as well. So my daughter is the fourth generation who has an autoimmune disease in my dad's, in my dad's side of the family. Mm. So, yeah, so it is, it is a big mindset shift. And basically your choices are you, you know, you eat very carefully and you, you're, I mean, I still get sick. I still have joint pain every day. I like, I have to take supplements and like, there's a prescription that I take that's not an immune reducer, but what it does is it stops the inflammation from happening in my body. Um, and it's not covered by insurance. And even with doing all those things and like, you know, exercising every day and drinking lots of water, um, I still have like, I still have chronic symptoms. Um, but if I didn't, wasn't as careful as I was and didn't eat healthy and take the supplements and stuff, I would be a lot worse off. Like I would not be able to work kind of deal. So it's, it is a big mindset shift, but basically your choices are, you know, you eat healthy and you eat gluten-free and you're very careful about what you eat and what you take and how you treat your body or you're in like, you're literally bedridden. So I choose the first one because <laughs> wow. bedridden is definitely not on my plan. Right. Of life. <laughs> so let us do one quick thing. I want to make sure that we talk about this. Uh, because I met you because of your podcast, uh, Travel Gluten-Free. Yes. So I want to make sure to let people know I'm going to have a link in the show notes um, to head over to Eliquity's page and check out her show. And she has show after show after show uh, about how to you know live life on the road uh, gluten-free. And, you know, let me ask you quickly, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that you know, just simply being at home, trying to live gluten-free is tough, going out to local restaurants, uh, I'm assuming to ballparks and you know, things like that. Um, I'm assuming, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you started the Travel Gluten-Free podcast because you were trying to travel and were having a difficult time doing so and staying gluten-free. Am I, am I close Yes, you have hit the nail right on the head for those of us who are more mature and know that expression. <laughs> it's like paperweights, you know, you tell a paperweight to a young kid and they're like, what's a paperweight? Um, anyway, so yeah, so I was actually traveling on a road trip, on a three-week road trip on the Pacific Coast Highway because I used to teach for a living and literally like the day after I would get out of teaching, I would go somewhere and take a vacation. And I was like four or five days in and I was in California and I realized like if I get sick, I'm, I'm screwed because I'm by myself. I'm driving alone in my car. 
like I'm staying by myself. I have no one to help me if I'm sick. Um, and so uh, when I went home, I researched and be like, okay, someone's got to have information on how you travel gluten-free. And nobody really did. People had like, oh, here's some restaurants in this city or this city or, but they never told you what to do. Like when you're traveling, like how to travel on an airplane or like, you know, when you need to pack food or it, all those things. And so I did, that's when I decided to start my podcast. Cause I'm like, I know there's other people out there like me who love to travel and who can't eat gluten because of medical reasons. Um, and actually I've gotten a lot of response from people saying that like they haven't traveled for years and because they listen to my podcast, they're now traveling because now they know enough to know how to go out and travel on their own. Wow. I mean, just the thought right there of being stuck in an airport on an airplane. And I have to imagine that the food that they offer, it's usually peanuts and pretzels and mm-hmm. soda. Um, or I, stuff with lots of sugar. If it's gluten-free, it usually has a ton of sugar in it, like kind bars. Okay. Like, oh, we have kind bars. And I'm like, yeah, that's got like, you know, 20 grams of sugar in it. <laughs> and sugar, if I eat too much sugar, that also makes me sick because um, I, I, I have a very low starch tolerance because one of the side effects I have from celiac disease is called SIBO. So it's an acronym. It's S-I-B-O. And it's basically what happens is when you have celiac disease, your digestive system isn't very efficient. So it, it gets really slow. And then your bacteria from your large intestine decide to come up and live in your small intestine where they should be. And then that creates a whole nother issue where you can't eat starch or sugar because like if I, if I drank a regular soda, I would be sick for like a couple of days just from the sugar. So I never drink like regular soda or anything that's like liquid sugar is the worst for me. But yeah, so being stuck on it. So that's why I always bring food with me when I'm on an airplane or another one that's real. It's even worse is like when you're on the road and you're just driving from point A to point B, I still take food with me because you just like gas stations typically don't have something I can eat um, because besides gluten, there's a, like four, there's a bunch of other things I can't eat like corn uh, and rice and things. So um, oh my I'm goodness! Always, always carrying my food with me. <laughs> wow. So, uh, I mean, you know, part of me was thinking that I was just going to ask you. You know, this was a you know a pretty radical lifestyle change, but you know, this is. It sounds like it's just more than the celiac disease. I mean, corn and what was the other thing you said you couldn't eat? Yeah. So the other things I can't eat are corn, apples, rice, sweet potatoes, artichokes. Um, and there's a few other foods that I'm just completely blanking, but I've got about 12 other foods besides gluten that I can't eat because of the starch level in them. Wow. Yeah. And and that's pretty common for people with celiac disease. Like a lot of people with celiac disease also can't eat apples because apples are really inflammatory. Oh, onion and garlic is also really inflammatory if you already have a, a digestive issue. So like if I didn't have a digestive issue, because like I'm Italian, I used to eat like whole cloves of garlic. Like literally I used to take a garlic, stick it in the oven, like for an hour, scoop it out and st- put it on my bread and eat it. If I did that now, I would be like, like balled over in the fetal position in pain. So um, a lot of things come with when you like there's secondary things to having an already um, messed up digestive tract. So there's lots of other things I have to watch out for. So I am a big label reader. It takes me a long time to go food shopping. <laughs> wow. So I remember from the last episode, you mentioned that something like 25% of us have some sort of intestinal issues. Now, when you started the podcast, um, did you start that eight years ago? So I started my podcast in 2018. Okay, so just uh, four years ago, mm-hmm. um, did you have a big 
following right away? Did you have people all of a sudden that were, you know, so glad that you popped on the scene? Yeah, after about a year, I started getting a lot of traction, like, because I would be, you know, going out and doing social media and going out to like different consumer expos, like pre-COVID. And then I came out with my book and that definitely more people discovered me through my book as well. So, um, but yeah, at first, I mean, like every, you know, podcaster, because I didn't have a platform, it started out really slow, which I expected. um, And then it just built up over time. And now I get regular, like, you know, regular emails from people wanting to be on my podcast every week. Okay. So... I'm going to take a step back because I want to go back. So eight years ago, you get diagnosed. Four years ago, you start the podcast. So in between there, you were going through all of this exploratory, you know, situations of, you know, how do I, you know, live and eat gluten-free? Um, how do I travel? So when you were first starting out, how was it finding, you know, resources or people that could help you? resources there weren't i mean there were resources on like you shouldn't eat this like here's a list of foods you shouldn't eat but then um there's like a lot of little caveats like you can't eat soy sauce cuz soy sauce has wheat in it um but you like it like maltodextrin um they say like oh you should be able to eat maltodextrin if you have celiac disease cuz maltodextrin is a starch that's made from wheat um it it can also but it also can be made from corn or potato so i can't eat maltodextrin if it's from wheat or corn because it in- inflames my joints and makes me sick but i can eat maltodextrin if it's made from potatoes so there's a lot of little things you have to watch out for it's not just like the bread and pasta it's like, hey, did they put maltodextrin in the salad dressing or did they put high fructose corn syrup in XYZ? Because corn syrup is the worst for me. Like it's not as bad as gluten, but it's it's definitely up there. Um, or like, you know, um, MSG, I they say like MSG is supposed to be safe for people with celiac disease, but it makes me sick. So I know I have to avoid MSG. So there's a lot of other little things um, that you do. Like I just recently found out that um, there and when you're using paper straws, the glue in some paper straws can have gluten in it because glue is sticky. Um, another thing I just found out recently from another gluten-free influencer, her name is Ellen, and she has um, a website called The Celiac Scene. She uh, found out that um, drywall, the like the the glue in drywall, the compounding spackling glue, has gluten in it because she has a contact allergy reaction and she was remodeling her house and broke out in hives all over her arms when she was taking down drywall. Um, and so weird things like that, like it's in toothpaste, it's in body care stuff. So you have to be like really careful of even what you put on your skin. So what you're saying is you got to be really smart to live gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be very aware and very conscious and know what your limits are with like, you know, depending on if you're gluten intolerant or celiac, but like for me, um, I, I was feeding ducks one day and I had a piece of regular bread in my hands and like within three minutes, I, it felt like someone had like set my hands on fire. It was burning so bad. I just literally like threw the bread to the ducks wow. right inside and washed my hands for like five minutes. So we also mentioned, you know, in the last episode that you have to kind of help educate, you know, people, mm-hmm. um, on on how to to be gluten free. So when you're going to these restaurants and you're traveling, you know, other states, other countries and stuff, there's got to be a big disconnect where people just don't understand. And so when you're trying to ask these questions about do you have mogodextrin or whatever that is, I mean, you know, people aren't going to know, are they? Like a regular um, server, a cook, the chef, I mean, are they really going to know all of this stuff? 
So sometimes you luck out and you get a server with celiac disease. That's the best because okay. they understand. Um, uh, also, you get servers who have a relative who has celiac disease. That's also really good because they understand too, or like a really good friend that has celiac disease. Um, and, and then you can get a server who doesn't understand, but they know you get, like, if I explain to them, I get really sick. They'll actually bring a product out to me so I can read the ingredients on the label. And that's really helpful. So like all, when I go out to eat at restaurants, if people are super helpful like that, we always tip them really well because we want to let them know, like, Hey, we really appreciate you went the extra mile to like help me out and you know do all this extra stuff so um but yeah so it really depends on a the server you get and b how well the restaurant does allergy protocols okay so as part of your podcast was a lot of that doing exactly what you're doing right now explaining to people if you go into a restaurant this is what you should do to find out if you're really being able to eat gluten-free food. So is it a lot of that? And, you know, it, it almost sounds as you set a checklist, but it doesn't sound like it's a straightforward checklist. Correct. Yeah, it is definitely not a straightforward checklist because um, like one of the apps that I use a lot, it's called Find Me Gluten-Free. So I'll go on there. I'll read it. Like I'll see like, oh, this, you know, this place ha has really good ratings and all the people that are on the Find Me Gluten-Free app are either gluten intolerant or celiac disease. And they'll say like, I'm celiac and I didn't get sick eating here. But then you have to look at like, okay, well, how long ago did they post that? Like, was it two years ago? Was it last week? Was it yesterday? So you have to, you know, it's like any review, you have to find out like when it was post it so that you can, you can determine if that's a recent post and these people have recently eaten there and have eaten there safely. Um, and then there's the questions and then there's like, you know, if, if it's changed ownership, that's a whole nother different thing because I've eaten at the same restaurant here in Oregon in my town where I live, McMinnville. And, um, it was an Asian place and I used to go there and eat the pho and pho usually does not have gluten in it. Not all the time. You, I never tell people, you know, pho never has gluten because you never know. And so anyway, they changed ownership and the new owner, like he, the son was really nice. He was like bringing the cans of soup out to me and showing me like they don't even actually make their own broth, which is really kind of a bummer because like, why would I go to a pho place if you're not making your own broth? Cause that's like, you know, that's the whole point of getting like real authentic pho from a Vietnamese place. But anyway, um, I explained to him like, I, he said the only thing I could eat on the new menu was their like their summer rolls, which was rice and rice paper with shrimp and stuff like that. So I said, okay, but like your mom needs to change her gloves and put it on a new surface. Well, clearly she did not do that because I ate that and I was sick for like five days afterwards. So, oh. so that's a restaurant I used to be able to eat at. So then I had to go back on the app and then re-edit my uh, my review saying like, hey, this used to be a safe place to eat, but the new owners, they don't have any kind of like precautions. So don't eat here because you'll get, I've gotten sick. Okay. So a couple of questions. First of all, what is fa? <laughs> So pho is one of the most perfect foods on earth when you're when your stomach is feeling sick because pho is basically Vietnamese chicken noodle soup except they use rice noodles. So pho is when they take bone broth and they boil it from anywhere from like 6 to 24 hours. So you can either get chicken pho, you can get vegetable pho or you can get beef pho. And then they have all these things they can put in it like rice noodles, vegetables, beef. It's just it's really really good. It's super tasty if they do it right and um it's just it's like the best food like when I'm not feeling good if I eat a bowl of pho like 9 out of 10 times I'm feeling better. Okay, and that's a Vietnamese dish. Vietnamese soup, yep. It's okay. Vietnamese soup basically, yep. Okay, writing that down. 
Yes, if you have not tried pho, Marvin, you totally need to go to a pho place. Certainly have not tried pho. (laughs) You have to try it. It's one of the best foods ever. Okay. Um, So the next question is, so you mentioned the Find Me gluten-free app. Mm -hmm. Now, is that kind of like a directory where people like you can add uh, restaurants into the app and people can now use it as a guide uh, for travel. You know, if they want to go visit someplace, they can go to the app and here's all the restaurants that, you know, are gluten-free or close to gluten-free. Yeah. So they go, people go on there and the dedicated gluten-free restaurants, which are the restaurants that have no gluten whatsoever, have a special little like green check mark. So you can tell which ones are dedicated gluten-free and those are the safest to go to because they don't have gluten in the restaurant at all. And then there's other restaurants that are not dedicated gluten-free, but they rate them and they, they, people talk about like the servers and their experience and the food and how it tastes. And so, um, the guy who developed that, Jason Elmore was in college when he found out he had celiac disease and found it was really hard to find safe places to eat if he was just Googling up restaurants online. So that's when he created the app. And I've actually had him on my podcast twice. Um, I interviewed him twice and he's actually local here in Portland area. So, okay. So another question popped up. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So dedicated gluten-free restaurant. Obviously that's not going to be like a national chain type thing. So how do, how do restaurants become dedicated gluten-free? So if so, when a restaurant decides not to add any gluten products in their menu, they're a dedicated gluten-free restaurant. And so um, those are the best ones to go to because, A, you know you're not going to get gluten. And, B, you don't have to ask a bazillion questions when you go in there and say, hey, can you change your gloves? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because everything – it's like – it's literally like you're a normal person. You just literally like walk into the restaurant and order food off the menu without having to ask the 50 questions. So that's the best not only because I don't have to worry about – getting sick, but I feel more like a quote unquote normal person because I can just order whatever I want off the menu. Okay. And I mean, are there a lot of these? There, so in Portland, there are. So where I live, I live an hour south of Portland in McMinnville. And so w- there's actually two dedicated gluten-free restaurants right here in, Mc- in the town of McMinnville where I live at. And we're a pretty small town. We have like 35,000 people. Um, but then in Portland, there's 15 dedicated gluten-free places. Um, there's this one place called uh, Gem Bakery, which is like outstanding. Like I just put an episode out about Gem Bakery um, and it, it's amazing. So depending on where you're at, there are more places. Like New York has a lot of dedicated gluten-free places. Um, Portland does. Um, and there's a few other cities. Chicago has a, Chicago has a bunch. Um, and so it, depending on where you're at and what city, and it's usually metropolitan areas that are going to have more dedicated gluten-free places. Like when I, but when I lived in Salt Lake City, there was only one place that was dedicated gluten-free. So it just really depends on how, if it's a really big foodie area, you're more likely to find dedicated gluten-free places. Okay. Now, you mentioned Salt Lake City. Um, where, is that where you were when you got diagnosed? Yes. I lived right outside of Salt Lake in a little ski town called Park City. Okay. So did you move to Portland because they had a ton of gluten-free restaurants? Actually, I didn't know they had that many until I moved up here. So that was a total score. Um, but there was other reasons I moved out of Utah, including like the whole social atmosphere was just – 
not really conducive to being female, let's say. So, <laughs> um, the sister anyway, wives show or something? Is that? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, well, there's a lot of different factors, but they also don't take you seriously if you're a female business owner, which I am. And so that's really? just not cool. Yes. Oh, yes. I could tell you stories all day. Well, that's, that a, that's a podcast. podcast. <laughs> That would be a whole other podcast. But yeah, so I lived in Park City for a while. Um, and there weren't any dedicated, there was one dedicated gluten free place in Park City and there was one in Salt Lake. Um, but there were a lot of gluten free friendly restaurants in the area where I could go and I know I could eat safely. So, um, there was never like a really a lack of food where I lived there. Um, but, but in general, like the more rural areas, generally do not have safe food. And there's always exceptions. Like there's this tiny little town in Utah. It's called Kanab. There's probably like a thousand people who live there. Um, and because it's a big touristy area, there's now a lot of like nice restaurants that are popping up and that serves gluten-free friendly food um, that I've eaten at several times that I haven't gotten sick. So, I mean, you never know. I can, you can never say never, but in general, like the metropolitan foodie areas are going to have way more choices for you if you're gluten-free. All right. So, Oh, man, so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions, so little time. <laughs> so let me ask this. In terms of how life has been for you since the time you got diagnosed till now, obviously doing your podcast probably opened up a lot more avenues to get information. A lot of people reaching out and saying, oh, by the way, thank you, and here's more information. So what do you think has been, let's say, the biggest change in the gluten-free world? Oh, wow. Probably there's a couple big changes in the gluten-free world. One is that there's a lot more products coming out now that are gluten-free and vegan because there are some people who have celiac disease who are also vegetarian, which I, I don't do just because I have so many things I can't eat already. I don't want to take anything else out of my diet. Um, and then the other thing is that a lot, there's a lot more ever since I've come out with my, now there were people doing it before my podcast, but nobody was really doing it on a consistent basis, talking about traveling gluten-free. And now there's, a, there's more people that are talking about how to travel gluten-free. Um, another big difference, um, is that there are, a lot more um, healthier gluten-free options. So like I said before, a lot of things have rice flour in them, but there's now more foods and pre-packaged foods that are grain-free, paleo-friendly, um, and those tend to be healthier options to eat than just like the traditional gluten-free packaged stuff. So there are more healthier gluten-free options coming out as well. Okay. You said the word paleo, which mm -hmm. I've heard before, but I've not heard it mentioned as part of the gluten discussion. So- what exactly is paleo and how does that fit, you know, fit into our discussion? Yeah. So paleo means a pale, when you eat a paleo diet, you're basically eating the same types of foods that we did when we were hunters and gatherers like 20, 30, 40,000 years ago. So you're not eating grains. Um, you're not eating dairy. I believe dairy is completely out. You can eat eggs. Um, and like meat and different other things, but, um, there's certain like types of foods, like grains are out. So all of the paleo products are made with like root vegetable flours, like, um, like potato flour and amaranth, like, uh, not amaranth, um, uh, potato flour, um, turn of flour. So like any of the root vegetables you can make into a flour, they'll use in like paleo products and, and some different other things. So, um, uh, tapioca flour, that, uh, like and and so paleo is really good because I can get more of a variety of food with the paleo diet um, products too. Okay, that's wow. That makes my and brain hurt keto. sometimes. <laughs> and keto, yes, um, uh, keto is another topic that'll be on this show, and I have I have a 
box full of keto products that uh, somebody asked me to try. And that's a whole nother discussion. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Um, so I had another question I was going to ask you until the word paleo popped up. But let me do this. Uh, let me go back to not only your podcast, but you said you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And is the book still widely available on places like Amazon and places like that? Yes. So the book is called The Guide to Traveling Gluten-Free. And I decided to put all the basics of traveling gluten-free in my book. Um, so like I talk about like when you're preparing to travel, what you need to do, like what's what has gluten in it, what doesn't have gluten in it, where gluten hides. Um, the one skincare line that I use that's on my website, it's called Lemongrass Spa because it's completely gluten-free. Um, skincare and hair care so i can order anything on there and i don't wait have wait, wait 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 so I'm, I'm sorry we have to worry about skincare being gluten-free yes uh, who puts protein in skincare wheat wheat protein wheat germ hops um uh barley because like i don't know if you remember this but like years ago in the 70s it was really popular to put beer in your hair because people were like oh beer is good it's nutritious because it has b vitamins in it but like everybody disregarded the fact that it's alcohol and putting alcohol in your hair is damaging to it so now like in the past 5 years there's been this big reflux of like oh you know beer beer products beer hair and skincare products um and so i have to completely stay away from all those too wow okay cheese and crackers so that's, that's why when I travel and I go to a hotel, I never use the soaps at a hotel because they don't have the ingredients in it and it could have gluten in it, which makes me my skin feel like it's on fire. Okay. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you could uh, you could do a podcast on all of these things. And I'm sure you have. So, let's get back to your book. So you mentioned all the things about uh uh traveling gluten-free and the guides and all of that stuff. Um my goodness. Yeah. So I made my book so that you could read it and use it as a step-by-step guide to planning your travel if you're gluten-free. All right. Now, I'm assuming there's going to be a version two because you said new things are coming out and stuff. So it it almost seems as though you could do different editions of this book. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually planning on coming out with a second edition and I'm going to add more, like a whole chapter on um, ch- like what chain restaurants do celiac friendly protocols and are gluten-free friendly. Um, I'm also going to add more places you can shop for gluten-free food in my book um, because one of the things I talk about in my book is like if you're going somewhere and you're staying somewhere that has like a kitchen, like the first when you get there, go food shopping before you even get to your place and pick up the stuff you need and then bring it to your air or your hotel or wherever you're staying. Um, so I I talk about that. I talk about like what snacks are good. So I'm going to add some more snacks that I like to eat when I'm traveling and all and and some other new things that and also the NEMA sensor. So there's a, a sensor that I recently gotten and it's called the NEMA sensor, N-I-M-A. And basically what you do is you take a little bit of your food, you put it in a capsule, you stick it in the sensor and within five minutes, it will tell you if there's gluten in it. You wouldn't do that at a restaurant, would you? Oh yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I did it actually on my cruise. And I I don't think I posted my cruise one, but I did post it on the Cracker Barrel one that I that all my food came up with gluten in it, so I couldn't eat anything that was on my plate. Oh, now, did you send all that food back? And did they? I gave it to my husband, and he ate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got the other thing that's really funny. People think that because I'm gluten free, my husband is. I'm like, no, we are not genetically related. If we were, that would be weird because we're married. <laughs> You know, I did ask you about that in terms of how your family has to, I guess the right word isn't adjust. Adapt. Yeah. He's not adjusting his diet, but he's adapting 
you know, the lifestyle, um, you know, so that you guys can at least enjoy food together and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, he has, he has adjusted because like, we don't like, I, we don't like when we make dinner, he makes, every, we make everything gluten-free. Like anytime we make food at home to share, we always make everything gluten-free. And so, um, like when he goes out, he'll eat at like Arby's or McDonald's or whatever fast food. Like he makes me sick cause he eats whatever he wants and he's perfectly fine. And I have to like really take care of my diet and watch everything I eat. Even with that, I still sick. I'm like, whatever, just don't talk to me. So I was going to, I was thinking of that question and I was trying to figure out, I want to make it appropriate because if he goes out and eats McDonald's and Arby's and comes home, gives you a little kiss, you know, is that a problem? Yeah. So we have to actually be really good. Like he has to make sure he like drinks something and washes it down before like we make physical contact, um, especially if he's been holding something in his hands, like a sandwich. And mm. so he always makes sure he like wipes off his hand, washes his hands or like drinks something to make sure that we, and I'm sure I still get cross contaminated because, you know, we're a married couple, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, one of the things it's like, yeah, I'm not going to not, you know, kiss whatever touch my husband because I have celiac disease. That's just not cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Probably didn't think you'd ever talk about that on a show, did you? Right. This is actually the first time I think I've talked about it on a show. I think one other person asked me about that, but that's it. Yeah. So like, luckily he doesn't drink beer. So that's not it. Beer makes me like regular beer makes me really sick. But yeah. And there's, there's gluten-free beer that I can get here in town. So, but yeah, so there's, there's certain things that we have to be careful as, as a couple to not use. And one of the other things that's really interesting is that there are, there are condoms that you can't use when you have celiac disease because the lubricant (sighs) in the condom has gluten in it. (laughs) I'm, I know. I'm sorry, but I just, just trying gluten to keep track of all of that. <laughs> gluten in your sex life. Wow. That, that, that's a podcast episode. Right? <laughs> Gluten-free Actually, sex. Actually, need to do an episode on that. Like what condoms you can safely use when you have celiac disease. I'm, right, I'm writing it down. Okay. And I will help you with that episode. Gluten-free awesome. sex. Gluten-free sex. Yep. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, So the guide to traveling gluten-free, learn how to find safe gluten-free food options on your next travel adventure. Uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And yes, it is on Amazon uh, and you can get it in paperback and on the Kindle. How about that? And And, add a chapter about gluten-free condoms in there. (laughs) Yes. And if you want to listen to uh, Eliquity on her podcast, uh, the travel gluten free podcast.com, or you can do a search in your favorite podcatcher. I'm sure you're on all of them Google, Apple, Spotify, yep, Amazon. Yep, all of them. All right. Well, Liquidy, this has been enlightening. And I want to remind folks we are going to be doing a live show where we will get on and recap some of this. And it will give an opportunity for you as the listener to pose questions. And uh, just note that I've already asked the sex question, so we don't need to get that asked <laughs> on the show. Oh, that was great. Well, I'm excited to come back and do that, Marv. Thank you. All right. And that's going to do it for my second interview with Iliquity. Thank you for listening to that. We will be back with part three here in the next week or so. I We'll be interviewing her in just a few days. And for those of you that were looking for week four with Coach L, her series Calling in the One, we are going to be continuing that 
And the next episode of that is going to be week four, setting your course. So that will be coming up here shortly. And then we will be diving into several other episodes with some new guests as we get into the holidays and get ready for 2024. But that's going to do it for now. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, live healthy and be happy.